Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Am I doing all right? Oh, that's terrible. I'm going to give you one more chance. Everybody doing all right? There we go. There we go. The 9.30 crowd was just way better. I mean, I know the 11 o'clock crowd, you've always got more energy, so you gotta, you gotta be with me today. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here. I've already said that uh, earlier in our time together, but a, a special thank you and congratulations, and we're praying for you. For those that are participating in our 21 days of prayer and fasting that we started this past week, uh, you know, this past Monday, we began a journey together. We try to do every year, we try to start every year with 21 days of really just focused attention uh, on God and what God may be saying to us individually and collectively as a church. And maybe you've never done any fasting. Maybe you're not really sure what that looks like and you're, you're kind of scared about that. But, you know, fasting really comes from Scripture. We see Jesus himself fasted. He was led out into the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days and he was tempted by the enemy during that time. And, you know, if you're doing any fasting this past week, it's not until you like stop eating meat that the Applebee's ribs commercials really start tempting you. Like I've never been tempted by Applebee's at all, but during the football game the other night, those ribs commercials came, I was like, okay, all right, we gotta go to Applebee's. But uh, no, you know, it, it happens. But what we also see is throughout the Old Testament that, you know, there were times when God's people were called together to pursue something specific that the prophet of God or the, the king at that time, whatever it was, was saying, hey, together we're going to, for a day or three days or for a season, we're going to fast and pray and seek God's will for our lives, direction, whatever it was that they needed in that moment. And, and we really believe that that's important. And so that's what we try to do. And so hopefully by now you've downloaded our prayer guide on the website or our social media pages. But if not, I encourage you to do that and just start tomorrow. Just jump right in tomorrow and finish out this fast or maybe start 21 days tomorrow however you, you choose to participate, because I believe that there's something powerful that happens with fasting. I really do, because when you get to the place where you say to God, God, I am wholly and completely dependent on you. Nothing in my life is more important. I'm cutting some things off. I'm doing away with some things. I'm abstaining from things for this season of time. God, I want you to know that you are the most important thing in my life. I believe it gets God's attention. And so out of, coming out of 2017 for us, an incredible year of transition and growth and heading into 2018, we just really wanted to make sure our hearts were right, that we were clearly hearing from God what he was saying to us as a church. But we also believe for you personally that maybe there's some things you need God to do in your marriage or your finances or on your job or in other areas of your life. And we believe that fasting is a way that you can get God's attention. And so I encourage, if you haven't jumped in, go ahead and start that, but way to go for all of you that are in it. Just got a couple weeks left. But you know, we're really seeking the wisdom of God. And that's really what I want us to talk about today as we continue in this Divine Direction series. Last week, we started this series uh, really looking at how do we know what to do? How do we know what to do? And what we really landed on last week is that God is more concerned with who we are becoming than what we are doing. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says that it's God's will that we are to be holy. And we talked about the idea that some of us may not be familiar with this idea of God's will, but what God's will really is, is this idea of a plan of, for our lives. That maybe God has this road or this path that we're supposed to be on. And so a lot of times we make that about the things that we should do. 
Like if God's got a plan for our lives, it's you know, the job that we have or the people we're in relationship with or the decisions that we make. And so it's about what we should do. But what we said last week is that really God is more concerned about who we are becoming than what we are doing. We also talked about the fact that God is really concerned with our motives, where our heart is, because we said that it's really very difficult for you to get to the right place if you start from the wrong motive. And so God cares about our motives. But here's what I know. If you came last week and you came and you're like, okay, I'm in, I wanna be the right who. And we talked last week about which way your arrow is pointed. Is your arrow pointed towards becoming more and more like God or is it pointed away from God and maybe kind of heading in a place that would take you away from that and away from holiness. And so we said, which way is your arrow pointed? And you say, hey, okay, I'm pointing my arrow towards God and I'm becoming the right who. But maybe you say, hey, but I've got some decisions to make. Like I need to know what to do. Like, that's great, I'm gonna become the right who. Like, I like how it rhymes, that's great. What are we, Dr. Seuss? Okay, that's great, I love it, but I gotta know what to do. Some of you today, you're here and you're, you're in college and you're like, hey, I gotta know which major to choose. I'm undecided, but they're really, my advisors press me, I've gotta choose a major, or maybe I feel like I'm supposed to change a major, and how do I know if that's right? Maybe you're not in college, maybe you're in high school or even middle school, and they're telling you that the classes that you're choosing now, they affect college, and then that affects grad school, or that affects jobs, and you're like, I'm just 12 years old, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and so you're trying to figure it all out, and maybe you're out of school, and maybe it has nothing to do with school, but you're in a relationship, and you're trying to decide, is this the relationship for me? Do I stay in this relationship or do I get out? You know, maybe, maybe there was an engagement and you're not really sure if it's too late to get out and you're really trying to decide how you feel. Maybe you're in a marriage and things have gotten rough, it's tough times and you're really wrestling with what to do. Maybe there's some decisions for your kids. Maybe, maybe you've got some job decisions to make and you're trying to decide between two jobs, keep the job you have, a different job, maybe buy the house, don't buy the house, buy the car, don't buy the car, and you're just trying to figure out, okay, I wanna be the right who, but you gotta help me know what to do, right? That's where some of us are at today. And as we think about that idea, as we process through what we are trying to do, then really it, it all comes down to how you make decisions, how I make decisions. And those decision-making processes really align with who are we searching those answers from. Who are we going after to get the answers? And I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians. If you've got a Bible, you want to flip there with me. I want to just read a couple of verses here. We're actually going to read several other verses throughout our time, and we'll jump around a little bit, which we don't normally do, but Psalms and Proverbs and other places. But if you've got a Bible, flip with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I want to show you a, a, a fascinating passage of Scripture. The Apostle Paul is a guy that wrote a majority of the New Testament. Before his name was Paul, he was Saul. Uh, he was a guy that was persecuting Christians, and then he becomes a Christian, and he starts preaching and teaching in the synagogues, and he starts defending the faith. He's planting churches. I mean, he is one of those people that if anybody heard from God, if anybody knew definitively what they were supposed to do as they pursued after God, surely Paul was that guy. But he's writing to some people here in the city of Corinth and he's, he's instructed them and he's corrected them and now he's talking to them about kind of his future plans. And this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 16, beginning in verse six. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. Now, again, I would love if it always was like 
absolutely, 100%, definitively, this is what you're supposed to do. And if anybody would have gotten that kind of clarity, surely it would have been the Apostle Paul. But did you hear what he said? He said, perhaps I can do this. I hope to do this if the Lord permits me. I've got some plans, I've got some desires, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm facing some opposition as that happens. And so he's processing with these people in the letter that he's writing to them, all of the various things that are happening, what he can do, what he hopes to do, what he wants to do, what he doesn't wanna do, what's happening to him. And I think in all of our lives, as we process things like that, we come to this place where we recognize that maybe it's not always as absolute as we hoped, right? Anybody ever felt like, like, man, when I said I'm following after Jesus, or maybe you're not a follower of Christ today, and you thought like, once I make that decision, everything will be always crystal clear, 100% definitive. Like you're just always gonna know you have a complete confidence, complete peace, you'll never have doubt. That's just not the promise that God makes to us. In fact, when we read from Proverbs 16, it says that man makes plans in his heart, but the Lord determines the steps. It actually means that there are some things that you can aspire to do. There are some things that you can want to do. It's like, well, I want that job. But the Lord determines our steps. The Lord determines how we get from one place to the other and that the decisions that we make, how those things fit together in the narrative of our lives to become the people that God is calling us to be, if you remember the story of the children of Israel, what we see in that story throughout part of that early Old Testament narrative is that when they came out of captivity, they were headed to the promised land. But in that story, just like in your life and in mine so often, the quickest way between two points was not a straight line. They had to spend 40 years getting to that place because God was working some things in them and working some things out of them. And the same is true for me and you. There may be things that God needs to get out of you before you can walk into the next season of your life. And so even though you wanna get there quickly, God knows if you get there quickly, you're gonna ruin it. And so you've made plans, but God has ordained the steps to take you through the journey so that when you arrive in that place, you are exactly the person that God needs you to be to do what God needs you to do. Man makes plans in his heart, but the Lord determines his steps. So how do we make plans and how do we make decisions? Well, in the Old Testament, there's a guy that we're introduced to by the name of Solomon. Solomon is the son of my favorite guy in the Bible, other than Jesus. I think you're supposed to say Jesus. But other than Jesus, David is my favorite guy in the Bible. And so Solomon is his son, and Solomon is going to become king. And you can read this in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. When Solomon is going to become king, he's supposed to offer a burnt offering, one burnt offering as a part of the ceremony of him becoming king and everything kind of you know, coming into place there. But instead of just one burnt offering, he offers a thousand burnt offerings. And as a result of that extravagant worship unto God, he gets God's attention, and God says to him that night, he says, if you ask me for anything... I'll give it to you. How awesome would that be, right? I mean, if God just spoke to you tonight and said, ask me for anything, it's yours. Like seriously, nothing's off limits. You ask me for anything. Some of you would say, can we go back to Monday night? Can the Georgia team just start playing a little better offense in the second half? I mean, I don't know, whatever, the Falcons game yet, whatever your deal is, here's what we know, here's what we know, here's what we know. Some of us were so consumed by present circumstances that if God gave us Anything that we wanted, we would just ask him to fix what we're presently in. Because it's, it's just overwhelming to us. There's a sense of urgency about what we're walking through. And we would say, God, if you'll give me anything, can you just fix this? Can you just solve this problem? Can you just help me out right here? Because I, I, I got nothing. I'm at the end of myself. 
But God said to Solomon, ask me for anything and it's yours. And Solomon says, well, okay, I, I, don't, I don't need riches. I don't need strength. I don't need power. I, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. And the response from God is so incredible. He says, because you didn't ask me for everything else and you just asked for wisdom, I'm gonna give you everything else too. Like, how awesome would that be? He says, you asked for wisdom, I give you wisdom and everything else you didn't ask for. And later what we hear from Solomon in Proverbs chapter four, verse seven, related to wisdom is this. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. I love the first part of that verse where he kind of states the most obvious thing ever. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. You ever try to define something, but the only way to define it was to use itself? He's like, you wanna be wise? Then just be wise, really, is what he's saying to us. And then if you can do anything else, develop good judgment. Like take the wisdom that you acquire and make good decisions with that wisdom. I mean, you ever met anybody that's really smart, but kind of dumb at the same time? Like, if you're in a trivia game, you want them on your team, but if you're just walking down the street, you hope they stay away from you. <laughs> like, they just, they, they have wisdom. They have no good judgment. You're not really sure how those two things, but Solomon's saying here, listen, the wisest thing you can do is to gain wisdom, and then if you do anything else, develop good judgment alongside of that so that you can take the wisdom that you acquire and you can put it into practice and you can do what is absolutely necessary for you to do. Has anybody in the room ever said anything like this? Man, if I knew then what I know now, right? Well, what are we saying? If I had the wisdom then that I have now in my possession, I would not have made that mistake. I would have made a better decision. Life would be better. Whatever, whatever you mean by that statement, what you're saying is, I wish back then I had the wisdom that I possess now. But you know how you gained the wisdom you have now? by making those mistakes back then or making good decisions and getting confidence about how to make good decisions. The wisest thing that you can do is to make wise decisions and to have good judgment. And we're gonna talk about making mistakes in a few minutes, but you can't go back, you know that. You can't live a life of regret wishing that you wouldn't have done that. All you can do is learn from it and choose in the moment to make the best decisions that you know how to make. Because so often as we're asking God, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? I think God is responding. I'm not gonna tell you what to do, but I will give you the wisdom to decide. And that's what we wanna talk about today. In the last few minutes that we have together, I really want us to talk about this idea of wisdom, how to gain wisdom and then I wanna leave you with five questions that you can ask yourself if you're ever stuck making a decision. So if you got a pen and paper you wanna write it down or jot this down in your phone, I'd love for you to follow along with these three thoughts today on how to gain wisdom. The first of these is you gotta walk. You gotta walk. Look at this in Proverbs 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. That's pretty straightforward. You wanna be wise? Walk with wise people. You know, we're told that you are the sum total of the five closest people to you. So don't look around, don't elbow the person beside you, but just think a little bit about who you spend time with and not just spend time with, but who do you allow to speak into the circumstances of your life? Who do you allow access 
to your decision-making process because so often what will happen is that the people that are closest to you, the people that have permission to speak into those circumstances, they actually help shape the way that you make decisions. And if you feel like you're on a track of making bad decisions, you may need to reevaluate who's helping you make decisions. I actually wrote this down this morning. This wasn't in my notes all week, but I wrote it down and I felt like it was right. If you're the wisest, smartest person in your circle of friends, you need to get some new friends. It says, you want to be wise? Walk with the wise. And if you are the smartest person you're around and everybody else is less wise than you, you're probably going to go that way. You need to get some new friends. You need to spend some time with those that are wise. Maybe in the areas of the decisions that you're seeking. Maybe you're in a season of life where a lot of your decisions are related to your vocation, your job, your business then who are some very wise business people around you? Men and women that have seemed to make good decisions related to business and you go, man, they just always seem to be in the right spot related to their job. Maybe you need to spend some time with them. You know, if you, you need to call them and take them to lunch or take them to coffee or you, if, if, if it's people that are away from you, you know, in, in this day of technology, you are closely connected to people that you don't even have to be in the presence of. Like, I love learning from people that write books and do podcasts and leaders that are incredible in various fields. And I love listening to podcasts and audiobooks. And some of my friends make fun of me because I listen to it on 2x, two times the speed. Because what it allows me to do, it sounds like the chipmunks really singing to me, but what it allows me to do is to listen to twice the content in half the time. And if I really like something that was said, I stop it, rewind it, slow it down and listen to it again. And then I speed it back up. And so if I'm in my car, I try to make the best use of my time by listening to podcasts and audiobooks on two times. And so I'm listening to 30 minutes worth of content and a 15 minute ride. I love it. I don't even know some of these people personally, but they are wise and they're speaking into my circumstance and they're challenging me and inspiring me. I read books all the time because I love to glean wisdom from a variety of different fields, a variety of different things that I can learn from because I wanna be wise and so I wanna walk with the wise. You heard earlier during our announcement time, Mary Beth was up here and she and Pastor Matt Popham, who are over our kids' ministry and our life groups, she said that next week we launch our life groups. And this is not a commercial, so don't tune me out. It's a part of the sermon. Life groups are important here. We believe in them. The reason that we believe in them is because it allows you to do life with other people who are saying, I'm not perfect, but my arrows pointed this direction and I am in pursuit of godliness and holiness. And you need to be a part of that same pursuit. If you wanna be wise, walk with people that are wise. Walk with people that are headed the same direction as you. Last semester, we do life groups on a semester basis. Last semester, we had over 80% of our church sign up for life groups, which is unbelievable. A little over 70% actually joined life groups and participated in them. But I would love this semester, we launch next Sunday. You can get online this week and look at groups. There's stuff for families and married people and single people. And I mean, there's Bible studies. There's all kinds of different things. I would love for 100% of our church to sign up for a group next week and at least try it. And here's what I promise you. Not everybody in your life group is going to be wise. I know that. I've been to a lot of them. They're just not. God may be sending you there to be the wise person in their life. I don't know. Well, listen, you show up, look around, and just figure out, yep, wise, no good judgment, but wise. I mean, I wouldn't have worn that shirt, but that's fine, right? And just walk around, and if you just realize after one or two meetings, yeah, this is not the group for me. We'll tell them the night didn't work, you're allergic to the food they cook, whatever, and we'll get you a different group. But I want 100% of our church to try a group 
Because I believe if you're saying to me, my arrow is pointed towards God, then you need to be in relationship with people whose arrows are pointed towards God. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. But you gotta get connected to people who are in pursuit of the same things that you are in pursuit of. Parents, that's why we offer student life on Wednesday nights for middle school and high school students. It's not something else to fill your calendar for your middle schooler or your high schooler. We wanna get them in an environment with their peers who, at least in theory, are headed the same direction as them, and we wanna surround them with godly adult influences who wanna help them succeed in learning what it means to follow Jesus Christ. So we want you to get them here on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock. I was in there this past Wednesday night. As they worshiped God, they broke out into small groups with adult leaders and were just dialoguing about the things that were going on in their life and what the scriptures say. And what, I mean, it, you need to get your student there. It's why we offer Kids Life on Sunday mornings, birth to fifth grade. And while we're offering in a couple Wednesday nights, we're starting back up what we call Kids Life Expedition. It's about adventures in childhood. And we know that you are the primary discipler of your son and daughter. We just want to partner with you in that. And we want them to get in environments with other children and adult volunteers who have been trained and, and who, who have, we've got security measures and they're safe and protected so that we can invest in them and partner with you in helping make sure that their arrow, from a very early age, their arrow is pointed towards a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. We want you to walk with the wise. It's really why we do what we do because here's the truth that we know. And I want to say this so definitively, but I can't give myself permission. It's almost impossible. I want to say it's impossible, but it's almost impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It is almost impossible for you to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. And some of you are testimonies to that because there was a season of your life where you just couldn't ever seem to get it together but when you think back on it, the reason that that was the case is the people that you were still connected to. You were trying to make decisions for God. You were trying to keep your arrow pointed towards God and a life of holiness, and yet you still were kind of hanging out with people that their arrow was not even remotely pointed that direction, and you constantly found yourself in places that had nothing to do with what you said you were in pursuit of. And let me just say to you today, with as much love as I can muster, for some of you, the decision that you need to make today is to end a relationship or two, to get out of a relationship or two. It's gonna be difficult, it's gonna be painful. I'm not saying just stop texting them. That's not what I'm saying. But there may be one or two people in your life that you may just have to say, I'm so sorry, I love you, but I am more committed in this season of time to being who God wants me to be than I am to spending as much time with you as I've been spending and I gotta get out. I, maybe it's me, maybe I'm just not strong enough, but I gotta take a time here where I just push back from you. And maybe for some of you today, that's the absolute best decision that you could make. So you wanna get wisdom, the first thing you gotta do is walk. The second thing you gotta do is ask. You gotta ask, look at this, James chapter one, verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God and it will be given to you. Corey and I have four kids and uh, our daughter, our six-year-old, Kinley, somehow early, 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 early in her life, she became convinced that I'm the strongest man in the world. 
I don't know. I know it doesn't look like this. This is not a flattering shirt, but underneath this, I have a lot of, I wore a jacket in the first service, but I, I took it off, I was burning up. So like, I know you can't tell. She's convinced, and she's right, really, honestly. But <laughs> somehow early in life, I don't even know how it happened. I'm not sure how she started calling me that. I don't know if I opened a jar. I'm not sure if I opened her juice bottle. I don't know what I did. I picked her up. I have no idea, but I just became the strongest man. That actually became my name sometimes. At six, she has learned how to manipulate me because I'll hear her from somewhere else in the house going, strongest man. <laughs> and what I know that means is I've got to open something, pick something up, move something for her. We're about to go put the dollhouse down in the basement. Like we're doing something because strongest man is needed right now in this moment. A couple nights ago, she brought something to Corey and Corey was kind of trying to open it. I don't even remember what it was, but she hadn't been trying for two seconds when Kinley, with all the sass that a six-year-old can muster, looked at her and said, why don't you just give it to the strongest man? <laughs> and so Corey handed it to me. I opened it, and Kinley just kind of looked at us like, see, I was right. <laughs> and she was, because, you know, I am the strongest man. But she comes to me to ask for my strength in those moments. I don't know that any of my kids have ever specifically come to me and asked for wisdom. Now, They've come to me and asked for advice, which is about the same thing. I know that. But they've never specifically come and said, Dad, can you give me some wisdom here? If they did, I'd fall over. I really would. But they've said, hey, Dad, what do you think I should do? And what, what do you think I should do? They're asking for advice. What do you think I would do as an earthly father when my kids ask me that? I give it to them freely, generously, sometimes when they don't even ask here's what I think you should do. And they're like, I didn't ask you. I don't care. Here's what I think you, I'm generously, freely giving them the wisdom that I have for the circumstances that they're walking through. And some of your lives, maybe, maybe you need to kind of think back like you do with your parents. Because I know there's a season in parenting where your kids think you're awesome and you know everything. And then there's a season when they think you're idiots and you don't know anything. And then there's a season where they think, yeah, they're actually pretty smart. And then they actually turn into you is really how the equation <laughs> progresses. But the question is, if we would ask other people for advice, why are we not asking God for the wisdom to make decisions? He says, if you lack wisdom, you don't know what to do. Ask God and he will give it to you generously. Look at this in Psalm 32, verse eight. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. As a parent, that's, that's what I'm doing. And our heavenly father is doing the same thing. He's guiding you along the best path for your life. And he's advising you and he's watching over you. He is not trying to hide from you. And he's not trying to hide wisdom from you as you seek wisdom to make decisions. Other place it says that he, his, his word is the lamp for our feet, for our path. We can know how we are to proceed, how we are to progress in the process. We can seek God's will and his wisdom primarily through his word. Primarily through his word. We open up the Bible and we begin reading on a regular basis, seeking the wisdom of God and how he has engaged humanity before and how he's engaging humanity now and what he desires from us. We offer a resource on our website. We update it about every six or eight weeks called a SOAP guide, S-O-A-P, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. It's a reading guide, one chapter a day. And you just read that chapter and you make an observation about something in that chapter 
And you apply something that you read to your life, and then you just pray a prayer. It's just a way for you not to have to do that parachute Bible reading where you're looking for wisdom, and you're like, okay, God, I need wisdom here. I'm throwing my finger in, and the grain offering was, and you're like, I don't think that applies to me. So evidently, God's not speaking in my life. Well, maybe God is speaking. Maybe you're not reading and seeking the words of God and the will of God so that when you get in a time of need, you know where to look. No, we, we read God's word so that he can lead us and guide us. If you lack wisdom, ask God. So you walk, you ask, and thirdly, you decide. Thirdly, you decide. Look at this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. When we could stand it no longer, we thought it best. There comes a point when sometimes you just have to make the best decision that you know how to make. You're waiting on God to definitively, absolutely, 100% say, this is what you should do. And oftentimes, God won't tell you what to do. He'll give you the wisdom to decide. There are some moments when you just have to think it best. You've sought the words of God. You've sought the wisdom of God. And then you just have to decide what to do. And so often, we're paralyzed in doing that because we're afraid of making a mistake. We don't want to make a mistake. God, help me not make a mistake. God, help me not make a mistake. I don't want to make a mistake. You know what? When you make a mistake, if you truly are trying to become the who that you need to be, I believe that God will help you choose the right do. But if you make a mistake, it, there may be some consequences. You may have to pay an extra bill. You may end up with, you know, a payment or, you know, a job that you don't love. Or maybe you just made a decision and you, you, you realize, man, this was a mistake. I shouldn't have done this. But you know what you gain by making that mistake? Wisdom. So that in the future, as you're still trying to become the right who, you come to a decision point again. You go, you know what? I've actually been here before. And I don't want to make the same mistake I did last time. And so I'm going to choose something different. Corey and I were there just a couple days ago. In that moment, it wasn't, it wasn't a monumental decision. We were just in a decision-making process. And as a part of that process, I was thinking back over the decisions that we've made that were similar throughout the years. And there were some that were good, some that were bad. But I thought, you know what? I'm not really sure. And so we decided together. We talked about it out loud. We talked, this is, let's, let's not do this. I think, I think based on the mistakes that we've made in the past, it seems best to us not to do this right now. We've gained some wisdom through some mistakes we've made in the past. So let's just... Let's not make those same mistakes. And you know what? If we're making a mistake now, we'll learn from it and we'll correct it as quickly as we can. But let's just not, let's not do that. Don't be afraid of making a mistake and don't allow that fear to paralyze you from deciding between the things that you are trying to decide. If your arrow is pointed towards God, I'll tell you the same thing I told you last week that my dad told me when I was 14 years old. I genuinely believe if you are seeking the will of God, you can't miss it. You can't miss it. If the will of God is that you would become holy, then so many of our what am I supposed to do, what am I supposed to do, what am I supposed to do decisions have already been made, and we'll talk about that in a second. And those that haven't been, we have the freedom and the grace to make in pursuit of God. And if we make a mistake, his grace covers those mistakes to allow us to learn from it and keep moving. That's the reality of the gospel. The reality of the gospel is that we have to decide. So maybe you came today and you're saying, okay, I got you. 
I'm becoming the right who. I'm working on that. I'm joining a life group next week. I'm getting my kids in student ministry. I'm getting my kids to Kids Life Expedition. I got it. I'm in on all those things. But I've got some decisions I have to make, and I still don't know what to do. I want to end today by giving you five questions that you can always ask. I'd love for you to write these down or put these in your phone. Keep them close to you. Five questions to ask when you have a decision to make and you need wisdom to make that decision and you just don't know what to do. I've referenced some of these before. I actually posted this up on my Facebook page a couple weeks ago because it came up on my uh, reminder, time hop or whatever it was. The first question is this. If I'm making a decision, what does the Bible say about this issue? There are a lot of things that the Bible specifically speaks to. And as you and I wrestle with those things, we're trying to determine what is it I'm supposed to do? Often, if we'll go to the Bible, we'll find the answer that we're seeking. And it could be, let me just let you off the hook. It could be that it's as simple as you typing into Google, what does the Bible say about fill in the blank? That's not cheating. You may have to go to the back of your Bible and look at the little keyword thing and go, okay, there's a word. That's what I'm looking for. And you flip to it and you read it and you go, okay, it does speak to it. Now I know what to do. Because if my arrow is in pursuit of God, if he specifically speaks to something, then I follow. It's obvious. That's what I do. If, I, if I'm following him and he says go, I go. If he says no, I'm not going. But maybe the Bible doesn't speak as clearly as you would hope. Then the second thing is, what is God saying to me about this issue? What is God saying to me? I don't start with that one because I wanna start from God's word, his timeless active word that he's given to all of humanity. But maybe I'm not sure. What is God saying to me personally about whatever it is I'm trying, I'm trying to process? Maybe during this fasting season, these 21 days, that's really what you're trying to hone in on. I'm giving some things up, God, I'm sacrificing because I really need to hear clearly from you about what it is I'm, I'm, I'm searching for. And then what you have to do is when you, you feel like, hey, this is what God's saying to me, then you take it back to the Bible and you make sure there's nothing in the Bible that goes against what you just heard because God's not going to contradict himself. Okay, so God, what are you saying to me? And then if you still don't know, or maybe you're just still trying to process, you need some confirmation. What are the wise people in my life saying to me about this issue? You know those walk with the wise, you wanna be wise, you gotta walk with the wise. What are the wise people in my life saying to me about what it is I'm trying to decide? Say, so, hey, this is what I think the Bible's saying. This is what I can't find in the Bible. Do you know of any places in the scripture that talks about this? This is what I believe God's saying to me. Does anything that I think God's saying to me contradict what's already in the Bible? You know, what, what, what do you think's happening here? What, what are, you're wise, I wanna be wise, so I wanna walk with you who are wise, so help me know what to do. What are the wise people in your life saying to you about this issue? The fourth thing, if you still don't know, then maybe you just kind of make one of those pros and cons sheets. What are the possible consequences of this decision? Good and bad. Good consequences, bad consequences. If I take this job, but I don't take that job, over here I may, you know, make more money or I may have to move or I may, but over here, you know, it's a boss I've worked for, I like him. I, what are the possible consequences of the decision that I'm trying to make? And then you take those consequences and you present them to the wise people in your life and they help you to kind of make sure that what God is saying to you might be right and that it doesn't contradict scripture and you just kind of work back and go, okay, God, I think this might be what you're saying, so I'm just gonna decide. But if you are still unsure, if you still don't know, you've already asked yourself all four of these questions and you just can't get to a place of decision, then here's the bonus question that you can ask yourself. What would the wisest, godliest person that I know do if they were me? 
gonna take myself out of the equation. I'm gonna take the emotion out of the equation. If somebody that I highly respect were in my shoes, wise, not just wise, but godly, their arrow is in pursuit of the things of God and the holiness of God. If they were me, what would they do? I believe at some point in those five questions, you're gonna get clarity. You're gonna get enough clarity that you can make a decision and then it's just about using good judgment and making a decision. What does the Bible say? What is God saying? What do the wise people in my life say? What are the consequences? And what would the wisest, godliest person that I know do if they were me? Ultimately, it's just about making decisions that continue to keep us in pursuit of God. I've said this before, it's kind of a life motto for me. Philosophically, I believe this. I can't prove it 1,000% from the Bible. So if you don't believe that this is in the Bible, don't write me an email, just agree to disagree. I don't think this is a linchpin thing. I think the will of God is a lot like the Grand Canyon. About a year or two ago, we had some folks from our church that visited the Grand Canyon. They took some pictures. They had heard me say this before. They took some pictures and sent it to me. I've done Google image searches. I've never been there myself. Some of you have been. I hear it's breathtaking. But there are places, if you attempted to kind of move through the canyon, if you're going from one end to the other as best you can, you're in pursuit. Your arrow is pointed in the right direction to get from point A to point B. There are places in that canyon that are so wide, you could make any decision and keep moving forward. You say, God, I want this job and I want this job. I don't know what to do. And I think God's saying, yeah, choose. Either one. Neither one of them takes you away from my will. Neither one of them makes you less holy. Just go. Just choose. It's two good things. The blessings of God are there. Just go. There's things you will see on this trail you wouldn't see on the other one. Just go explore. But there are other times in the canyon where it narrows up. It gets pretty tight. And the only way for you to keep moving forward is to put one foot in front of the other and to keep walking that way. Those are those moments where God has very specifically said to you, do this. Don't do this. There's not a lot of wiggle room there. You say, yeah, but why would God constrict me? Because he loves you. Because he's a heavenly father that loves you more than an earthly father who wants to give you good gifts and he wants to advise and guide you to the best pathway for your life. And so there are moments when it narrows up and you're saying, God, what am I supposed to do? And he's saying, do this. You wanna go there, don't do that, go here. I think the will of God is like the Grand Canyon. So often we ask God, God, what do you want me to do? And God says, I wanna give you the wisdom to decide. I wanna give you the wisdom to decide. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody's looking around right now. This is just a personal moment between you and God. If you would say to me today, Jeremy, listen, I know that the wisest thing that I can do today is to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm gonna ask him to forgive my sins today and to lead and guide and direct me. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? We wanna pray with you in just a second. Thank you, you can put it right back down. Now, if you would say to me, Jeremy, I I wanna use wisdom in my decisions. Maybe it's ending a relationship that I'm in. 
Maybe it's walking with wiser people. Maybe it's asking God for wisdom. Or maybe it's just deciding. Just making a decision. I got all the wisdom I need. I just need the good judgment to just make the decision right now. I want to use wisdom in my life. Would you lift your hand? And put it right back down. So many hands, just like the first service. God, I love you and I thank you for this moment that I believe you've ordained. You brought us to this place for exactly what you want to accomplish in this moment. God, I thank you for those today who have surrendered their lives to you, who you now give the free gift of salvation. You forgive their sins and you become the Lord of their life to guide them from this moment forward. They're saying, hey, I want to point my arrow towards God and a life of holiness. So now, God, we ask you to continue to work that out in their lives. Purge them of the things that don't reflect you. God, I believe that you will continue the good work that you're starting right now in them. Help them to surround themselves with godly people who will help them make good decisions and will inspire them and challenge them towards good works that honor you. God, we thank you for them today. We thank you for the celebration that's happening in heaven because of them, and we celebrate along with the heavens today. And God, I pray now for every hand that was lifted to those that are seeking wisdom. Maybe they need to cut off some relationships. Maybe they just need to ask you for wisdom about something they're walking through. Maybe they need to spend more time in your word. Maybe they need to spend time around wise people to seek counsel. Maybe they need to join this fast to really hear clearly what you may be saying to them. But God, ultimately, they just need to decide what they're supposed to do as they seek you with all of their heart. And so God, now I pray that even as they ask what they are to do, that you would give them the wisdom to decide. We believe that you want to accomplish great things in and through all of us. And so God, give us the wisdom to be the people that you've called us to be and to do all that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.